Why did God let that happen? Why didn't God do something? Jesus' friend Lazarus has died, and Jesus wasn't there. And now that he is, the tomb has been stealed. It's too late. Or is it? Hi, welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name's Stuart and I get to be the minister here. We're glad that you could join us from wherever in the world you find yourself today. You can find out about who we are and what we do and what we get up to on our website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk and especially you can find out all about our Holy Week and Easter services that are coming up. Today I'm joined in leading worship by Avril, who is an elder and spiritual care chaplain with NHS Lanarkshire, which seems particularly appropriate as we pass the third anniversary of the COVID lockdown. Avril will lead our prayers later, but for now, let's listen as she reads us the story of Lazarus. Today's reading is taken from John chapter 11, verses 1 to 45. A man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oil and then wiped them with her hair. It was her brother Lazarus who was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Master, the one you love so very much is sick. When Jesus got the message, he said, This sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed on where he was for two more days. After the two days, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. They said, Rabbi, you can't do that. The Jews are out to kill you and you're going back? Jesus replied, are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daylight doesn't stumble because there's plenty of light from the sun. Walking at night he might very well stumble because he can't see where he's going. He said these things and then announced, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. The disciples said, Master, if he's gone to sleep, he'll get a good rest and wake up feeling fine. Jesus was talking about death while his disciples thought he was talking about taking a nap. Then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. That's when Thomas, the one called the twin, said to his companions, Come along, we might as well die with him. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple of miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Mary and Martha, sympathising with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming and went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, Your brother will be raised up. And Martha replied, I know that he will be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait for the end. I am, right now, resurrection and life. 
The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. All along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. After saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, The teacher is here and asking for you. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not yet entered the town, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When her sympathising Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her, thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. He said, Where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. The Jews said, Look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, Well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. Then Jesus, the anger again welling up within him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. And Jesus said, Remove the stone. The sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead four days. Jesus looked at her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you have sent me. Then he shouted, Lazarus, come out! And he came out, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe, and with a kerchief over his face. Jesus told them, Unwrap him and let him loose. That was a turning point for many of the Jews who were with Mary. They saw what Jesus did and believed in him. But some went back to the Pharisees and told on Jesus. The high priests and Pharisees called a meeting of the Jewish ruling body. What do we do now? they asked. This man keeps on doing things, creating God's signs. If we let him go on, pretty soon everyone will be believing in him and the Romans will come and remove what little power and privilege we still have. The death of Lazarus is for the most part a pretty bleak and depressing story. Grief and loss are sadly not strangers to any of us, and they come in many forms. The loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of our way of life. The last time this was our reading was three years ago. It was the last Sunday before the COVID lockdown here in the UK. It would be the last time we would gather together for a very, very long time. Who could have known how prophetic this reading about a story of life and death about grief and faith, loss and love could have been? Who could have known how much that collective trauma would still be with us all now? I wonder how differently we all might hear this story three years later, with all that's happened. How much more deeply we might all understand the experience of Martha and Mary. So much of what we feel in these strange days is actually grief. That knot in your stomach, it's probably grief. That wave of anxiety, it's probably grief. That sense of loss for what has been and the fear of what comes next, it's probably grief. 
In the book of Ezekiel, the people have been stuck far from home in exile in Babylon. They said it felt like they were dead to their bones, to the very core of their being. They didn't know who they were anymore, or how they were supposed to be, or where God was, or how God could have let this happen. It's a story of grief. And into that story, God speaks hope. Ezekiel is told by God to prophesy to the valley of dry bones. Tell them that God is still their God and that God will give them new life. And Ezekiel does. The bones are joined with sinew and muscle and flesh, but they're still lifeless. Lifeless until God breathes into them. It's a metaphor for better days ahead. Their release from captivity, their return home, their return to life. Their story is not very far removed from the experience of Martha and Mary when their brother Lazarus dies. We need to remember that these people are not on the edges of the story of Jesus. They're not strangers. This family are Jesus' closest friends. It's Martha and Mary who argue about helping with the chores when Jesus comes to dinner. It's Mary who will anoint Jesus with a jar of pure nard. These are people Jesus loves. Jesus is fully aware of what's happening when he receives the news that his friend Lazarus, one of his closest friends, someone he loves, is sick. Jesus' choice not to go and help is misunderstood by everyone. His disciples think he's scared because the authorities are out to get him after he cured the blind man, or that everything's under control. Martha and Mary just think he's taking his time, ready for another dramatic entrance. While his friend is dying, Jesus is staying away deliberately waiting until he's sure that Lazarus has died, until Lazarus is dead and buried, until all the rituals have been completed and the tomb has been sealed. And it's not hard to feel the harshness of that. Jesus has healed so many people, all those strangers who he never turned away, each of them receiving exactly what they needed, some even healed without asking. Martha and Mary and Lazarus are his friends. They're as close to him as anyone is. He stayed at their house many times. They know who he is and they believe in him. But Jesus is absent, missing, just not there when they need him the most. Their grief is full of confusion. Where have you been? How could you let this happen? Why didn't you save Lazarus? The sisters are distraught, but even in their grief there's hope. It's Martha who says to Jesus, Master, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Even now. I'm not sure there's a greater statement of faith than this. Even now. Lazarus has been dead for four days. Even now. But although Martha has faith, she finds it hard to see or imagine beyond what she knows. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. Thanks. Thanks. That's just not helpful. It sounds like one of those things that people say to make you feel better. Those trite platitudes that we all turn to so readily because we feel we have to say something. And to tell the stark and painful truth, it's just too hard. Martha replies, I know. I know he'll rise again on the day of resurrection on the last day. Because that's what they believed. On the last day, on the day of resurrection, everyone would be raised to new life in God which is great, but it's not really a comfort in the searing pain of her loss. What Jesus says next isn't even on her radar. 
Even though she knows that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, she's still not expecting what he says. You don't have to wait for the end. I am, right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? I am, there it is again, I am the name of God. God is the resurrection and the life. And I am here. It's an astonishing claim, but it's where John's gospel has been leading us to from the very beginning. Nicodemus discovered it in the night. The woman at the well knew it in the midday sun. The man born blind saw it even before he could see. And now everyone, all of those who gathered to witness a death, all of those crowding round to mourn, to grieve both this loss and all their losses would instead witness life. They would see once and for all that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, the great I Am. But first, they will see something else. Something I think is just as necessary, just as important, certainly for my faith and perhaps for yours. Jesus wept. Even though he knows what's about to happen, even though he is sure that everything will be alright, even though he is God, Jesus wept. Jesus is deeply moved by the suffering of his friends and the grief of those gathered around him. His reaction is so very human. He wept. He wept for his friend. He wept for his own loss and for theirs. Jesus wept because in the end, we all die. Grief and loss are part of our lives and Jesus understands the pain of that because in doing what he does next, he starts the inevitable series of events that will lead to his own death. And the people there were surprised and more than a bit cynical, what's he crying for? If he'd been here earlier, none of this would have happened. I wonder how many times in our lives each of us has shared that thought. But that isn't how the story ends. Even in the midst of all this grief, hope remains. Jesus is taken to the tomb and he tells them to roll away the stone. And they're horrified. It's been four days. We can't open it. Life is well and truly gone. But Jesus is insistent. Open it. And they roll away the stone full of fear and disgust. Jesus stands in front of the tomb, there in the face of death. Lazarus, come out, he shouts, while they all watch and wonder. The teachers of the law who are wondering how many rules have been broken. The priests who are wondering what rituals of purification this will need. The disciples who wonder at what point they will just take Jesus away and kill him and throw him in beside Lazarus. Martha and Mary who are wondering why Jesus can't just leave them alone in their grief. Lazarus, come out. Still tied up in the strips of cloth, Lazarus walks out of the tomb. I'm not sure we can ever really comprehend what that moment was like to the people who witnessed it. Their joy, astonishment, disbelief, their absolute fear. Lazarus was dead. Very, very dead. And now he isn't. 
This is the last sign of John's Gospel, the clearest indication yet of who Jesus really is. Only God has the power to bring life where there is none. But that's not all that this is about. Just like in Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones being covered with muscle and sinew and flesh, it's the breath of God, God's own spirit, that brings them back to life. And so it is with Lazarus. And so it is with us. This is a story not just about one man's rising to new life. As amazing and wonderful as all that is, this is about us. This is about God's spirit. This is about our lives. In John's Gospel, Jesus is from the very start the one who brings life. Life which is the very opposite of death. The life that Jesus gives to Lazarus is now. Not someday in the future, not at the day of resurrection, but here and now. That's what we are offered. Just as the people in exile were offered new life, just as Lazarus was offered a new life, a different way of being alive, a life full of God, a full life in God. All of us know what it's like to feel cut off, separated from the people we love, dislocated from the life that we used to live or the life we had hoped for. All of us knows that kind of grief and loss. And yet this story presents us with an incredible vision of hope and new life, even in the face of all that pain. A vision of God's Spirit reanimating the people and us in answer to their lament and their cries and our cries of pain and anguish. We're given a vision of the power of God to reach even those who feel like they're dead to their bones. We are not and never will be beyond God's reach. St Paul writes, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Our challenge now in the days that we find ourselves in, perhaps in what might seem like our own time of exile, is to live out that good news, to grasp that promise of life, life in all its fullness, to tend a relationship with God through prayer, to bring that gift of life to others in whatever way we can, to care for one another, to weep with those who weep, to live as those who have faith, to live as those who have hope, to live as those who are loved, to live as those who are commanded to love one another, now and always. Try
Let us pray. Loving God, thank you for life, for all the people who bring joy to our lives, for all the people who make us angry, for all the people we disagree with, and for all the people who love us. Life is a wonderful mystery, given as a gift for us to savour. Death is a strange mystery, given to us as a gift which leads us into the next phase of eternal life. Facing death our own or another's is difficult and sometimes we would prefer to avoid if we could. Grief consumes us at times and makes it difficult to continue to live life to the full. Hear our prayers, Lord, for the people who are facing their own death today. For those people who are coming to terms with illness or facing long and difficult treatments or investigations. Lord, may they know your presence around them and within. Hear our prayers, Lord, for the people who are already grieving the loss of a loved one. For those people caught up in the anger and despair that loss can bring. Lord, may they know your presence around them and within. Hear our prayers, Lord, for the people who care for those at the end of life, in hospitals, hospices and care homes, for the doctors and nurses, the healthcare assistants, the porters and the clerks. Lord, may they know your presence around them and within. Hear our prayers, Lord, for the people who care for people in their homes, for the staff who travel to their patients and provide a way for people to be at home. Lord, may they know your presence around them and within. Hear our prayers, Lord, for the people who live in places where there is no NHS where healthcare is limited and end-of-life care non-existent. Lord, may they know your presence around them and within. Hear our prayers, Lord, for the people who are forced to provide care themselves for their loved ones, who struggle to cope with their own feelings and lack of experience. Lord, may they know your presence around them and within. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers today. Give us patience to await your answers and the strength to be the answer when you ask it of us as we continue to pray in the words Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Jesus wept for his friend and called him back into the world. We, like Lazarus, hear Jesus calling us friend. We, like Lazarus, are reborn by his love. So as we leave this time together, God goes with us, inspiring us and reinvigorating our lives. So go with that blessing, the blessing of God, creator, source and spirit, with us now and always. Lent Bible study celebrating the women of Holy Week finishes this Monday at 7.30pm on Zoom. You're very welcome to join us. The details are on our website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk And on Wednesday, our final Christian Aid lunch is from 12 noon until 1.30pm. That's to raise money for the excellent charitable work of Christian Aid. On Thursday at 7.30pm in St Ninian's Church Hall, our cafe church meets for the second time. We're looking at our next holy habit and that's going to be prayer. That's on Thursday at 7.30, cafe church in the church hall. And on Saturday the 1st of April at 11am until 1pm, it's our messy church. Messy church is for children of all ages and their adults. You have to bring an adult with you. Please sign up for that. You can go to the website and sign up. Click the link and fill in the form so we know how many people are coming so that we can feed you all because you get lunch for free. The whole event is for nothing and there's lots of crafts and games and singing, lots of fun and food together. There are Holy Week services starting on the 3rd of April, Monday the 3rd, Tuesday the 4th, Wednesday the 5th are all at 7pm at St Ninian's and then on Monday Thursday we join with our friends at Patterson United Free Church for communion on Monday Thursday and that's also at 7pm at Patterson Church and then back to St Ninian's on Good Friday at 7pm for our service there. On Easter Sunday, we meet at Stonehouse Park at the Pavilion at 9.15am to celebrate the resurrection and then return to St Ninian's at 10am for breakfast in the church. It'd be great if you could let us know that you're going to come for breakfast so that we can cater for the right amount of people. And then our Easter service begins at 11am. You are more than welcome to join us at all or any of these events. <laughs>